Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast brought to you by Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio, recording and mixing services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. A few testimonies, one from Dimitri Wolf saying, It sounds very clear. He's also one of the more professional mixing engineers I've had contact with. Very efficient and mixed vision driven. Well, that's it for advertisement. From folk rock to synth pop, Cat and the Hurricane can do just about everything. With their cutting lyrics and catchy hooks, Cat Farnsworth and Benjamin Coakley, along with drummer Alex Nelson, will make you sad in the best possible way. Their 2020 EP, Libra, is a departure from their debut, Miles Away, containing songs written with new eyes on the world, but with the same heart. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21. Welcome to Wisconsin Music Podcasts. We have Cat and the Hurricane here this week. Welcome to the show. So we have Alex who plays drums, Benjamin who sings and plays keys, and Cat who sings and plays guitar. That is correct. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Why don't you give us your musical origin story? Doesn't matter who starts, but just kind of give us like your background and how music got you to where you are today. Well, for Cat and the Hurricane, this is Cat. I decided to embark on this endeavor back in October of 2015. It was after the band that I had been in uh, kind of came to a close, and I noticed that all my friends in that group were off kind of doing their own thing. So I thought it's my turn to also do a thing. So I created a Facebook page and kind of just built on from there. Started recording with my friend in his basement. That leads us all the way up until today, where we now have two albums on, uh, you know, uh, Spotify and other places that you can listen to music. And I acquired two more band members that are the driving force behind the hurricane. Excellent. Alex, why don't you give us your musical origin story? Yeah, absolutely. So I... I've been playing drums for about as long as I've had arms, which is like forever, um, I've come to find out. And I never really had an outlet. I focused on school and getting to where I am now in my career quite a bit and kept music and stuff to be a side gig. I had a couple bands along the way, mostly cover bands. Um, But then uh, one day, and this was probably around two years ago, maybe a little bit more at this point, 
I met Kat through a very, very close mutual friend of ours. And um, I noticed, I knew about Cat and the Hurricane. One, I got to see them perform like at the Cactus Club in Milwaukee and Summerfest. And I noticed that they did not have a drummer. Um, and I was very much, little did they know, vying for that spot. Um, and yeah, Kat and I uh, and Ben just started getting to know each other a little bit more. And I think, I think it was probably Kat that popped the question and asked if I would play drums for Cat in the Hurricane and I was like I mean I would but I don't have a drum kit I again I've I've been drumming for forever but I've really never owned an acoustic drum kit to practice on so I've always just been left to my own devices making beats or doing percussion in different ways so Kat was like that's no problem I can buy you a drum set I can get you a used (laughs) set uh, at this place I work at and I was like oh my god and Kat did like Kat actually got like what was it like a 50 dollar kit or something like that it was 100 bucks 100 bucks there we go amazing and that's all that we needed and i mean the rest is really just history excellent excellent very cool and ben or do you go by benjamin either one is fine okay so ben what's your music origin story yeah so i guess i kind of fill the gaps between those two stories i have been playing music for most of my life i come from a musical family i took piano lessons as a kid i'm always just loved playing keys especially when I was in college, I would do, you know, play some acoustic guitar, do open mics, that sort of thing. But nothing that ever really stuck until um, I moved back to Wisconsin. I went to uh, undergrad in Michigan, and so that's where I was for a while. But I moved back to Wisconsin, and I met Kat uh, in Janesville. We were both living there at the time uh, at an open mic, and we just happened to both like play on the same day and realized that we had like similar musical interests, and we just sort of started talking. And Kat did sort of the same thing to me as with Alex, where they're like, I want to turn this into a bigger project. And they had just been playing just the solo acoustic guitar type of thing and was like, you know, I want you to play keys with me. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, like I'll consider it. I really would love to do this. Let's practice and try it out. Like I've never really like toured before. I don't have a touring bag. And then the next time Kat showed up with a touring bag for my keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it's hard to say no (laughs) at that point. Um, But that was through three years ago, beginning of 2018. So for a while, Kat and I were just a duo and we played with like backing tracks for for drums and stuff. And I would program stuff on my keyboard and we would layer things that way until we met Alex and started to build more of the acoustic uh, full band thing from there. Wonderful. So Kai, seems like it was fate to happen. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys got together, started playing some gigs. So what year did you guys start playing as a three piece? July of 2019, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. 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 Because we played um, in a barn. 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 <laughs> yeah. With the pizza, pizza on the farm thing. That was fun. Yeah. yeah we played okay. in a barn. We had already been playing. So Kat and I started really like gigging in the beginning of 2018. We okay. played um, some shows in Janesville, um, just around Southern Wisconsin. Uh, we played. A couple gigs up in Madison at like Boss Meadery and um, the up north bar, some, yeah, some bars and stuff like that. So we had already been slowly building connections. And then when Alex came on board, just sort of continued, you know, we were booking things, playing at least two to four shows a month um, at that point. Great. Once you had to put together, what goals did you plan to make it successful? I mean, what was your practice schedule? Did you guys start doing covers or was it just originals? And what did you do in social media to kind of help grow your fan base? Oh, 
question. I think we, uh, we've collectively, the three of us, we've done a really good job of covering all of our bases. So when we decided to go for it, um, you know, we were, we were gearing up to record this album and I had already had this album written when I invited Benjamin in. So I was like, okay, here's the roadmap of this album. Let's do it together. And then when Alex came into the scene, like we no longer had to worry about like drum tracking, like, and, and doing like, like pre-made beats. So really the goal was like, let's do an album. Let's do an album together. Let's see what happens. And then before we knew it, we were well on our way to booking tons of gigs around Madison um, and also booking for a tour, our first ever tour all together um, that we had scheduled for March of last year. And unfortunately, you know, after months and months of back and forth and emailing and really putting in the time of trying to get everything just right, uh, we got three days into our first ever 10-day tour and unfortunately had to turn around and come home. But in the grand scheme of things, we did it all together through teamwork, and we know that we can do it again. We're excited for what's to come. 2020 was uh, really a year of kind of sitting down and seeing what we had to work with in the face of, you know, uh, this pandemic. From there, we kind of we buckled down and started recording more and started doing live streams and just adjusting to the circumstances as best we could. Excellent. And so obviously in this day and age, social media, you get, you're doing live streams. What else are you doing um, to help promote uh, Cat in the Hurricane? Um, TikTok. Okay. <laughs> We're trying to. Trying. <laughs> trying, yeah. Yeah, really I think our philosophy has been since day one is just saying yes unless we have a really strong reason not to. And so... That was our strategy at the beginning when we were booking shows. Um, we played almost every show that was offered to us if we were free and able to do it. Um, we played coffee shops. We played festivals. We played backing music at a restaurant or like, and literally anything we could. Um, and now we're a little bit more selective just because we have maybe more opportunities um, to choose from and we can be more selective. But with social media now, that's sort of become our... Our mantra as well is just say yes. So we've sought out, you know, doing podcasts and doing reviews. We found just by like connecting with people on Instagram and Twitter is a big way. Just finding other bands who are sort of in our genre of music and sort of doing the things that we're doing from other places and just connecting. And, you know, you'd be amazed at how many things can come out of just like following someone on Instagram and saying hi. And they're like, ooh, I do this show. Or like my friend's partner's mom runs this podcast or this music chart. And then we end up on a website that, you know, brings more people in. So really just about seeking out those connections and saying yes to, to any way we can sort of meet new people virtually. I think to expanding our repertoire a little bit, I feel like with social media, that's that's a huge asset of so much of our work in the last gosh, nine, 10 months now that we've been in COVID. But even before that, like we often joke, like we we could probably hire someone to do this because it is such a task. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. There's a lot to be intentional with. And so I feel like like we've been expanding into like um, videos. Uh, we have like music videos out. That's um, something that was pretty new. We had Over You out uh, before pandemic. And then during pandemic, we actually released another music video that was shot in a safe and social distanced way. 
Um, and like just making little like videos to go like on our Instagram stories or like, um, like Kat mentioned TikTok. It's very video centric, <laughs> but like trying to figure out ways to have fun with it too. Like we, we just did this really silly thing. Just asked our Instagram followers like, Hey, we're going to play one of our songs and we are going to ask you what gender is our song. And we just made up like a bunch of really silly things. Like <laughs> what was it? Trans mask and Ed Sheeran or something like that. Or like big, strong, sexy, they, them, Taylor Swift or so it was like really silly and so so yeah I think like really working on expanding our repertoire and figuring out what fits I think in so many ways we've just been like building the plane as we've been flying it sorry to use a really old COVID uh, metaphor at this point but I, I feel like we've gotten so much success at just like experimenting and throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks I think that's a great plan I think as long as you're trying to be creative and you're trying to expand what you're working on and people are drawn to it you're just going to become more and more successful so going on from there Let's talk about venues. Obviously, pre-COVID, you, you talked about doing open mic, coffee houses, festivals. What were some of like the red flags that you kind of experienced at some of these venues? They went, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do something like this again because of such and such or this and that. Go for it, Benjamin. There's a lot of different categories of answers to that question that we have sort of figured out. And, and that's what it is, right, is trial and error that eventually you learn, OK, you know, maybe we won't do this again. The first one that comes to my mind and maybe Kat and Alex will have other ones that they're thinking of, too, but is thinking about travel distance. Uh, so like, especially at the beginning, we wanted to play outside of Janesville and even Madison and Milwaukee. You know, we tried to get in those places, but we were really open to anything driving down to Chicago or other places. And we quickly learned that just because a, a venue is in Chicago or in the Twin Cities or in a place we want to play at doesn't mean it's always worth it, whether financially or, or whatever, especially financially, right? Like if you're going to drive five hours and you have no idea if anyone's going to show up and if you're going to get paid anything, especially at the beginning, we weren't doing shows to make money. It's not like we were really making much of a profit. But in that case, it's like you're losing money because you're paying to drive for five hours, you know, and in some cases there are shows that were worth it and were still fun. And then there's others where it's like you drive a really long time. The show starts two hours late and like no one's really there for you. And so, you know, it's, it's just playing that game of like, is it worth our money and time, you know, when we all have other jobs and other things to do? Um, to take some of those shows. But yeah, if y'all have any other answers. I think two things come to mind, um, but I want to share the mic if Kat has anything. No, go for it, Alex. So first thing, and it's really, really small. Um, and I definitely think that we can be really, really flexible. And this definitely isn't like the biggest red flag or like a deal breaker. I mean, it might be something we approach with caution, maybe, but, like, if a venue is, doesn't have anyone, like, at the door or expects you to bring someone to man the door, um, or I should say human the door, uh, to check, the you know, people's IDs and take money and things like that, um, if, if the gig doesn't come equipped with that that means we are probably not going to be receiving money from people at the door <laughs> and need to figure out a different way to do that yeah. um and so that's not necessarily something we always know ahead of time but sometimes we have to do a last minute scramble and just remember it for the next time that we book like oh gosh if we if we book here again we really need to bring an extra person or something the other thing that really comes to mind for me in terms of red flags is something that's probably just a little bit more personal to to ben and cat and i and that's just that um we we 
are a queer band. We're a bunch of queer non-binary musicians. And so um, that means that safety becomes a much more important thing to consider than it might be for a, a musician who might not have these identities. Or it might be the same case for a musician that might not have these identities but has another identity where safety does become more of a concern. So for example, like we, I don't think this was any show that we've had to like turn down um, or have had a bad example with at least since I've been in the band but I have heard stories from Cat and Ben of like trying to navigate different venues that are giving off some homophobic or transphobic vibes or you know or even just saying or doing something that's like that's that landed really weird or wrong with me I don't know how I feel about this like how would we feel you know being being performers in that space how would we feel with their clientele how would their clientele treat us you know things like that that you know some musicians might not have to consider that we really really do have to strongly consider because you know safety is just not something to mess with so i would say that's a big one for us do you have anything to add to that cat uh no alex and ben put it perfectly um yeah i agree okay do you want to um obviously totally up to you do you want to educate some of the listeners out there about that that you know kind of how i'm trying to figure out how to phrase the question sure um to educate the the listeners out there about what things could that they might not even realize lands wrong to you that maybe if you open their eyes to it they would go oh well then maybe I won't say that anymore or I won't do that anymore yeah i'm just trying to think cuz that's a great question I'm waiting to see if Alex wants to answer because Alex is the educator amongst us. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I, I professionally do a lot of educating. Gosh, Ben, really, the only thing I can think of right now is just, you know, asking pronouns before you introduce a trans artist without knowing how they want to be referred to. But yeah, what did you have anything else aside from that? Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, something that people don't think about oftentimes just innocently is the pronoun thing or just like people who maybe haven't met or don't know a lot of trans or like lgbtq plus people like that you know like we use alex and i both use they them pronouns um rather than using being referred to as like he or she and kat is fine with all pronouns and um so like just when people people tend to when they see people make assumptions about their gender based on how they look and that's just a natural sort of human inclination Um, and so something that I try and encourage people to do is to separate that in your mind that just because someone looks a certain way doesn't mean they necessarily want to be referred in the way that you maybe are assuming, if that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, just using blanket terms like girls or guys or whatever, just because at first glance, that's the assumption that your brain makes. Uh, a lot of times in like LGBTQ spaces, there's a huge intentionality that's not always present in other spaces where people are more aware just because if those are the people you're around, your brain has sort of learned to separate those two things. So that's the biggest one that I would say. And that's not like a, that's not always like a violence thing. Obviously, there's a difference between that and someone being like openly, actively like hateful, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's just one of the ways that I think people can start to shift the way that they think about um, language and, and make spaces feel safer. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like space is something to consider. And I this uh, my my suggestion requires like a literal building renovation, and I don't <laughs> think that that's within anyone's like necessarily. I should say within everyone's uh, budget. Um, but I just think of like when I when I'm trying to find a restroom, I I don't like 
um, gendered restrooms personally, and every trans person is different, but I, I'm always on the lookout for an all-gender bathroom or a gender-neutral bathroom, so that's always helpful, um, but not required. But I think, too, if I'm going to go into a gendered bathroom and it's got, like... I don't know, bows and frills and like a makeup station and like all these things, like a baby changing station in the women's restroom and then the men's restroom is just a urinal and a magazine. Like I'm going to, you know, or or like, a, you know, grungy butch, like car mechanic, whatever kind of stuff all over the walls. Like I'm going to feel a specific way about your decorating choices a little bit. I mean, um, not, which isn't to say we can't have them present. We just might have to, you know, switch, like mix and match a little bit. So, um <laughs> Right. Anyway, it's just small things, really. But I do think that the the biggest the biggest way to demonstrate, like, just at the very least, just like some intentionality or awareness is the pronoun thing. And I think that, that ultimately, um, I can forgive almost everything outside of violence. Um, if someone's like, "Hey, by the way, what are your pronouns?" It's like, okay, everything you just did like 10, 10 minutes ago is completely erased. You're my favorite person now. Um, so it really it, it can be just really small things. And of course, I'm just one person. I. You know, my impacts or the impact on me is going to be different than another person, too. So, right. Yeah. Thank you for asking, though. I just wanted to make sure if you were comfortable talking about that. If not, obviously, we just keep going. But if you wanted to talk about it, which we did, then, you know, definitely I wanted you to be able to express how you feel about that. So appreciate it. Thank you. So that's kind of I don't really have a good segue to go into something else (laughs) after that. But (laughs) let's talk about local scene attitude. So let's talk about the positives in your local scene. What great things for musicians have you seen happening in your town? What type of venues did you enjoy the most? Maybe if you want to name some, go right ahead. Because I know uh, the Madison area has great uh, live music venues. Hopefully they treated well. I know we talked about how you were treated earlier a little bit, but maybe talk a little bit more expansively on that. Just looking under this umbrella here. Yeah. And in your experience, what have you seen that makes you go, this is a great thing and I want to do this again and again. So just the positives that are happening in, in the music scene of your local area. Absolutely. Um, I'll go first. Uh, as far back as 2014, um, I happened to play a show with my first band here in Madison at what was once called the Frost House. And I just so happened to meet our friend that we are still friends with to this day. Uh, Dana Perry, and honestly, meeting her was a huge step in the right direction of, like, shifting specifically at that time my attention towards the Madison music scene, because I'm from southern Wisconsin, you know, in a tiny little town where, you know, it's not not much is going on, so Madison is where, you know, my eyes were at, and when I met Dana, I, I didn't think anything of it, but I had kept in contact with her over the years. And now, to this day, we are still working with her. We are doing live streams together. We have a show coming up on the 14th with her that she's uh, hosting. And she is just a, she's a great example of how wonderful and welcoming and warm this community can be. Because uh, the friendship has been there for years and has always been so kind and considerate and, and always, like, I feel like I'm one of the first people she's got anything going on. She's like, yo, what's Cat in the Hurricane doing? You know, it's just that kind of connection that we have. And, you know, I, that's, that's just uh, one example for myself. Um, I don't know if Ben and Alex have samples as well, but we've got really decent people here, people that really care about music and art and volunteering their time. And yeah, Alex, Ben, you guys got anything? Uh, yeah, I think something that you hinted at in that uh, answer, Kat, was that um it's really about the people and 
out of the people come some really great venues. So there are a lot of really great venues, but they're great because the people come to shows, right? And they support other artists at those shows. And so like the Froth House doesn't exist anymore, or like the frequency doesn't exist anymore. But a lot of the people who were going to shows, who were playing at those shows are still around. And so even when a venue closes or is under new ownership or moves, like things always pick back up. So even when a venue closes or changes its name, like you always know that something's going to pop back up and it's not going to be gone forever because there's people like Dana who have been making music um, in this city for years. And, you know, there's so many other bands that I could name, but, you know, and I think of one of our favorite venues to play at is Boss Meadery um, on East Washington uh, downtown. And we know the owner and she's really great. And it's a space that people come to to listen to music, even if they don't know who's playing. You know, it's the kind of place where people know that if they go to this show, it's going to be fun. Even if there's a band that they don't like, they know that the space is welcoming, you know, and it's a place where people can come bring their own food. They sell mead that they make there. It's just a big open room. And so having venues like that, where you know that it's going to be fun, even if you don't make a lot of money, and even if there's not like a huge turnout, you know that there's going to be other musicians there who are going to be be waiting to make connections. And I think that's something that I really love about madison yeah just to piggyback off of all of those because i totally agree with everything that kat and ben said like without the people none of the amazing places that i call home musically and just as a music lover um attending shows like um like those are my homes like those are where where i go so um I, I always, whenever people ask me about music in Madison, I always come back to this stat, and I don't know how accurate it is anymore, but I once read when I first moved here four years ago that Madison, Wisconsin is the third best city in the entire United States for music, behind Nashville, Tennessee at number one, and Austin, Texas at number two. And that, having lived here for four years, like, at first that totally surprised me. I was like, what? How did I stumble upon this place that's apparently better than, like, Philadelphia or, like, Seattle, like, you know, like all these places like Austin and Nashville, that makes sense. But anyway, like it it just makes so much sense now. There are so many incredible venues for especially like thinking about like where we're at in our music trajectory. Like we're getting to the spot where we are we have and we can open for touring musicians um, that are coming through on like bigger, bigger tours. And so we have incredible venues for to support those as well as like your your garage band, local indie DIY um, and folks like us as well. And and along with that, I would just have to say that today actually is the one year the today when we're recording, which is February 1st, is the one year anniversary of our first show uh, at our favorite more touring scale venue of all time in Madison, which is the High Noon Saloon. That just continues to be one of mine and our collective like proudest achievements. And I just we just can't wait to play there again. Like that's the best place. So it's just really cool to be in a community where like we can actively play shows among among other bands like us and among folks that like bands like us. But we can also like really deeply enjoy music on every day off that we have, see shows all the time and even like have our like host of options of like who to reach out to to potentially open for um, for like big touring shows and things like that. Nice. Very nice. Um, now let's flip the coin. What do you see as struggles in your local scene? What is suppressing or oppressing, you know, whatever buzzword you want to use? What do you think is suffocating basically the local music scene for you? I mean, first goes without saying the pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, I have no idea how our venues are going to all survive this. Like, I already know, like, the Art Inn already closed, for example. Um, 
like I would hate to see like some of our other favorites like Communication um, or High Noon or Boss or anything like that. Anything happen to them? What about pre-COVID? What do you think was maybe suffocating the local music scene before the pandemic hit? I think something in Madison that's actually a flip side of what we just said as a positive, which is that it's a really great knit community, tight knit community. And I think sometimes with any tight knit community, there can be a focus to become too in group. Uh, you know, I do think that just like sociologically, like, you know, when you have a strong bond with your people, sometimes you focus too much on your people and not people that aren't part of your people. <laughs> and so, you know, Kat and I experienced this too when we were still a duo and trying to play more shows in Madison, where it, it can kind of be hard to break into that community and hard to book if you don't know anyone already. Like, if you know, like for us now, we have tons of friends here. So it's super easy, like Alex said, to really like pitch an email and play anywhere any night of the week but if they don't know who you are or know who you know there that can be sometimes a downside where especially if you're not from madison like when we were living in janesville which is only 45 minutes away but if you're not sort of in the city um, and connected with people yet it can be hard to break into and i think because madison has so many venues that are doing recurring events and have such an established presence that i think there's less like open mics per capital like there are open mics but compared to like in Janesville where there's only a couple music venues but they all do open mics where like any 15 year olds can get up and play whereas in Madison it might be harder for someone who's just starting out to sort of get a platform and I, I, I do think that's a disservice because I think potentially we're we're missing out on people who are amazing musicians but just don't have those connections yet right um so I, I yeah I do think that happens as well I would definitely echo that. Um, I was also having a lot of trouble breaking into the the music scene, or at least the scene of musicians. Uh, when I first moved here, like, I feel like I was all a part of the show scene. But, like, I feel like the only avenue into that may have been half-stack sessions, but that I didn't really participate in that. And half-stack sessions, for those who don't know, is actually a really cool program for, I believe it's for any um, person who is not a man involved in music, like not a cisgender man involved in music. I could be wrong about that. Okay. But I agree. I agree. That's that's something that I experienced as well. Kat, do you have anything to add? Um, for me, uh, I guess it's like the lack of representation sometimes. So the the like the the balance of like how many how many bands are like rock bands, thirty forty year old, uh, you know, dudes uh, that are rocking on the scene, and then we you know kind of compare like how many how many little bands um like a little band of queers like us like how many bands like that are you know on the grind and out there trying to do the same exact thing that these other rock bands are doing in in terms of like i guess just the representation of it all in in the fact that i guess you don't see as many bands like us we're kind of i don't know i feel like they're they're coming out slowly but surely because of like the consumption of it so i'm a queer person and i am in a queer band so like i am always going to gravitate towards like trying to find other queer bands and artists to listen to because it uh i, I can relate to it so that's what we are trying to do we're trying to cultivate uh, a music scene and a brand that more closely hits home for folks like us uh for trans non-binary kiddos out there that uh you know don't necessarily have that representation in their own home so that really it, you know it, it kind of the less you see of it uh the less you know about it uh i guess the more easy it is for you to be unsure of it and or scared to consume it so we just want to make our music like not trying to like cater but trying to 
catered for kids like us at, you know, a younger age, whereas I didn't grow up listening to a lot of queer artists and such. And now that I am growing into my queerness and coming into my full person, um, I just see the avenues that have opened up. And I want to let kiddos like me know that they exist and that they can pursue those things and they can consume those things and that there's also nothing wrong with that excellent well said that kind of takes me to my one of my last questions would be but i'd like to bring that up now because of what you're talking about what artists are you listening to that fits within that circle all right guys you got the list ready let's go (laughs) who wants to go first i'll start with uh good old tegan and sarah girl in red so many. <laughs> I'm trying to think of specific. I'm I think thinking, I may have taken yours, Ben. <laughs> uh, like Midwest bands, even. There's a band called Gully Boys in Minneapolis that we love. There's an artist called Claude. Supernova from Chicago. She, her, hers. Partner. Partner from Canada. Pronoun. New York. Uh, the Sonder Bombs is a really great band. Future Teens. It's a growing list, you know, with each passing year, more and more bands are popping up. Sort Excellent. Of in, that, in that world. Can't, can't forget Phoebe Bridgers. Oh, and Teddy Geiger. Can't forget Teddy. Excellent. Unfortunately, I don't know any of these bands, and I apologize, but are there any of these groups that you mentioned, are they in, like, the top 50 billboard, or is there groups out there in the top 50 or top 100 billboards that, that also identify in this under this umbrella? I want to say that Claude might be inching up there right now, but I don't know about mainstream billboards. Definitely on, like, a bunch of indie radars, though. Okay. I can probably speak to that. I, that Yeah, like there's a lot of people like Lady Gaga, I think, is one of the artists that really paved the way like when she popped on the scene, you know, 10 years ago now um, as someone really representing the LGBTQ community. Nowadays, I think of people um, like Harry Styles, uh, Troy Sivan, trying to think of other examples. Isn't Kesha queer? Yeah, Kesha. Kesha. Even like Demi Lovato is bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, we talk about this sometimes. Miley Cyrus, yeah. Miley! Like, not everyone necessarily makes it part of their brand, if you will. I don't like using that word necessarily. Um, but, you know, there are some folks, like Lady Gaga, I think, where Lady Gaga makes her, maybe not so much anymore, but, like, her entire presence is about being subversive and about, like, sort of creating a place for the outcast. And then, you know, someone like Demi Lovato is queer and has talked about that in a personal life, but it's not necessarily the brand of her music um and i think both both are absolutely valid and you know great but um yeah i think there's a growing field of that first cat of the lady gagas where people who are really making it like obvious that like we are lgbtq um and want to be oh very open about it just because like kat said that provides a little bit more love and representation for kids wonderful yeah there's uh one band that the, the front singer, um, Brandy Carlisle. Have you ever heard of her? Oh, love. Yeah. Me and my wife have been following her for probably since like 2006, 2007, so before they really hit it big. And obviously the other more well-known artists definitely have great respect for them as well as artists and as people themselves. So like you said, it's starting to grow. I think it's, I think it takes, unfortunately, our culture, our society to, I think you're opening our eyes being, I guess, the buzzword is being more woke to people are just people. It doesn't matter, you mm-hmm. know, what happens in their personal lives. It's really none of your business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
So let's talk about current music. Your two current ones on Bandcamp is Out of My Mind and Sorry I'm Like This, which features all three of you. Is there any other ones on Bandcamp that, fi- that features all three of you? Uh, everything from the Libra EP, um, okay. Sorry That I'm Like This, and Out of My Mind has all three of us. Okay. Let's talk about some of that. I would like to put some of your music on the podcast so people can hear it. Sounds great. Uh, I would like to offer up Walls. Walls is a song about, like... This one, this one cuts deep. Um, it's about uh, sexual violence and um, about the the aftermath of it, in terms of like living with it and living through it and uh, existing on the other side. Um, this one, it it came about from uh, trauma bonding <laughs> in a car with a a friend of mine. Um, we shared stories and, you know, before there was some miscommunication on our ends. And once we aired out those stories, like we kind of saw each other on a, on a more intimate level. Um, and, uh, after we swapped stories, I went home and then the next morning I wrote the song. So the song is basically, you know, it was for that person, but now I see that the song is now more than just about that person. Uh, it's, it's, it's for anybody that's ever experienced anything traumatic like that. And, uh, it's really just a a song for survivors and basically just begging the, no matter what happens, like, don't shut yourself off to the world. Uh, try to continue to be soft and vulnerable because that's the most powerful thing. Uh, even after you've been so hurt.
the video for that one too i thought it was very creative <laughs> thank you that was really fun to put together we actually planned and prepared for and executed the whole thing in what like 12 hours 12 to 15 hours it was 15 hours under 15 hours yeah yeah we had an entire concept for the music video that was a different concept where we were going to be playing different characters and doing costume changes in this whole thing and we had um, a friend of ours, the videographer, and we had it all set up. And then, you know, we were talking about it like the day before and we're like, what, Night if, we, of. what if we did this other thing? And we all just realized like this would be so much simpler and so much more fun. And so we just like <laughs> texted them and was like, this is what we're doing. And then we woke up in the morning at like seven or eight and the whole day we shot the video and then it was done. It turned out really good. I think it, from what you said that the song is about, I think the video ex helps the agenda of the song very well. Thank you. Do you want to put one or two more songs into the into the podcast? Be done for it. What do y'all think? Uh, I would say Out of My Mind, and maybe we could do Libra. Ooh, I'm into that. That sounds great. Why don't you give us the story behind Out of My Mind? Uh, I'm gonna Alex Ben. I'm gonna let you guys uh, take this one for these two songs. I unfortunately got to cut this short on my end because um, I am still technically at work. So I'll leave you guys to it. Thank you so much for having me. 
Um, uh, appreciate the time and uh, yeah, I hope uh, more good discussion uh, comes to follow. Absolutely. We can definitely take it, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, guys. Love you both. And thank you so much for having us. I, I really appreciate you. No problem. Thank you, Kat. Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. Hi, Alex. Do you want to talk about Um, one of the... You know, I could probably do Out of My Mind. I don't really know the whole story of it, but I can only imagine. Um, Yeah, so Out of My Mind is actually one of my favorite songs to play live. And it was really, really, really fun to to put this together in the studio as well. Um, so Out of My Mind is essentially this, like, I don't know, kind of like ode to having incredible anxiety. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like, it starts out really like contemplative and moody and broody. Um, and then it picks up into this like really frantic, dancey energy. And yeah, it's, it's essentially just like lamenting, like you're like the, the whole having a brain and having mental health problems and just the kind of things that you would say to to yourself in your head as you're having like an anxiety spell or a panic attack or something like that it it I feel like it speaks to my soul so I really appreciate the way that Kat wrote this song it's so 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 good and another thing about this in the studio we actually had a friend of ours who um, has since started playing with us for live shows or at least practicing with us for live shows so uh, their name's Isaac and they play just just ripping electric guitar and so we're super super lucky to have them on this track it really brings it together and i think adds to the dancey frantic energy Won't let me be me So I say the darndest things Somehow I'm jumping gun I don't blame them when they run Cause I'm a lot to handle Cause I'm out of my mind Cause I'm out of my mind Cause I'm out of my mind
Excellent. And then Kat said Libra as well. So what's yes. the story behind that one? Yeah, so Libra, which is the title track of our EP, Libra, um, the whole EP really is a story about loving someone who doesn't quite have the capacity to love you back in the way that you need. And so there's a lot of songs about um, heartbreak, but also in that particular way where you still love someone and you still care about someone um, and trying to navigate those really complicated feelings. And uh, and a Libra is the title track and really captures that really well. The chorus um, is what a thing to do for someone who doesn't love you. And so it's really about putting all this energy into a relationship um, or friendship and and not being able to get what you need back. And musically, you know, and this is what I really love about creating music in the studio is you can sort of make the music convey the emotion of the song. And so with that song, we really tried to make it um, floaty and moody and emotional where it's sort of like reflective, um, a little bit angry and hurt, but but still sort of having that tenderness to it. Um, and Libra actually is the first song that Kat and I recorded together. Um, and actually we self-recorded it, um, and mixed it. And that was a long process cause we had never done that before, um, neither of us. And so we really just played around to do bedroom recording. Um, and we put out the first version of that in 2019, the version that's on the album now, um, was remixed and remastered, uh, and updated a little bit. Um, but yeah, so that song is, you know, a long sort of reflective song good to put on you know when you're just sort of chilling in the bathtub or you know uh sitting in your car so it's a it's a it's a good one as well
excellent recording process with Matt. And yeah. So who played bass? Because as a three piece, it's keys, guitar, vocal, and drums, which is kind of like if you remember of the band from the 60s, The Doors, they didn't have a bass player either. The keyboard player played all the bass parts with the left hand. Ben, are you playing bass parts with your left hand in live gigs? Or are you, how are you guys taking care of that? Yeah, that's actually exactly what happens. Um, I've just I've just really adapted to playing that way. Um, I, for years, sort of just have adapted sort of um, an improv style of playing and filling in the gaps. And so especially when it was just Kat and I playing, um, I was, you know, trying to fill in the bass ends and also like doing the the percussion when we had it using um, the keys on the actual album cat played bass on most of the songs i think i may have recorded for one or two a cat is a better bass player than i am though cat played bass in um the band that they were in before cat and the hurricane okay and uh yeah i think there was maybe one song that i did but in the studio i think cat usually records gotcha yeah we um we actually have had um, two different people play bass with us when we do live gigs. Sometimes we don't have anyone play bass at all, and, and that's just fine because it's just the three of us anyway. Um, but we've had um, a couple friends of ours, Claire and Aaron, fill in here and there, and they're just incredible, just the most talented humans I've ever seen. Excellent. So let's kind of talk about the recording process now. Um, mindset, um, writing before or during the recording process, just kind of give us an, an overview of your process from beginning to end. Totally. Yeah. So usually when we go to record, or at least times that we've been recording as a three piece together, usually what would happen is that Kat and I would go in first and record um, just a scratch track, your drums, your vocals, your uh, acoustic guitar. And we haven't actually taken a song in that we weren't certain at least about those parts so everything that we've ever taken into the studio has had at least those fundamental basic parts completely finalized in in most cases i know there was one song ben that we put took into the studio where we didn't have your keys really figured out yet maybe there was one more song but i know that at least for one we did and so so yeah we start there and then we just layer we layer from there and along the way adjusting any kind of percussive things that we might be needing usually it's just a lot of layering of vocals guitar keys synth and then a bunch of auxiliary stuff we've used like an ebo before lots of auxiliary percussion shakers tambourines rain sticks they weren't actually timpanis but we used like our like biggest bass drums uh and took off one side to create like kind of a timpani feel for our song walls usually yeah that's about it and then in between mixes like we'll we'll work with matt and he'll tweak the mix just a little bit this way or that way or just arrange things not in huge structural ways but just you know little little tiny bits and pieces here and there and usually like through a feedback process of here's a mix what do you think here's what we think back and forth we we usually come to come to a really good solid final product sometimes it does involve additional trips to the studio but it's right down the street from us we're really really lucky in that way so um and matt's usually really really flexible matt's got a great ear for things sometimes to we'll we'll invite some of our friends to add in like we've got a friend who does who's doing violin on a track that's being mixed right now for example um just to add in a little bit of flair uh we had a friend do saxophone and um 
I think it was like alto flute or something like that uh, for our track walls. And so um, those little pieces kind of come together along the way until we feel like it's ready to be mastered. Anything you'd add on to that, Ben? No, I think that's, yeah, that's pretty much the process. I think to use an anecdote for that, Redline is one of my favorite songs to look at the evolution of because like Alex said, all the songs that we've brought into the studio so far are songs that we've already been playing live for a while um, before we actually have sort of stepped into the studio. So Redline is a song that We'd been playing live for a while, and it, st- it started out a very different version. It started out much slower, um, and then we sort of sped it up a lot, and then we slowed it down a little bit, and like every few months, we sort of tweaked it and added different things. Um, and then even when we got into the studio, we recorded everything that we had been playing live for, and we're like, something is missing, and we ended up adding some like vocal repeats that you can hear sort of throughout the entire song and different vocal things that we had never done before and now I can't imagine the song without it but really just like playing what we play live setting that down and then being able to listen to it with an objective ear and be like what can we add that we've maybe never tried before um, and then usually it is a lot of just like shouting or like other vocal parts um, you know like Alex said auxiliary percussion stuff and those are usually what really just takes it over the edge where you listen and you're like okay yeah that's it and, and you know Matt is really good at hearing those things as well and so it's it's fun being in the studio yeah honestly i think the biggest difference between the libra tracks as we had played them outside of you know some of the structural things that were added to redline and the album version honestly i think are just atmospheric stuff that we would have never been able to bring to the song had we not as ben said like just tracked it listened to it and layered on top of it excellent so is it co-producing with matt or were you guys pretty much producing it yourselves it's like kind of co-producing a little bit yeah yeah there's definitely a back and forth um you know I, but it is, it is sort of a weird situation because when we came we sort of already had the final especially with the libra we sort of already had like the track list and everything planned out and because we had tried lots of you know story for another day but there was sort of a long story of trying to get that album recorded for a while um and before we met matt and then we when we met matt and we went into the studio for the first time we're like okay this is this is the place where we want to do this so we had already sort of had everything really mapped out um in that case uh but some of the newer stuff as we've been working there's been a lot more back and forth and a lot more sort of co-producing on on some of the sounds that we're creating wonderful i think that's all really questions i have we're running out of time um we cut like I said, the last couple questions were like, what's on your playlist right now? What artists are you listening to that you feel deserve recognition that are not getting enough, that are not getting enough recognition? But we kind of talked about that earlier. Um, there's a, another question I asked is about work-life balance. How are you balancing your music life with uh, your work life? Um, I don't know how much experience you have with that because you guys look like you're probably in your early 20s. So I don't know if, if you have a lot of... Um, challenges with balancing work with your musical life i mean that's definitely something that at least i feel like i could comment on if you'd like me to. yeah absolutely <laughs> um yeah i mean so i i work for um uh, uw madison actually and so um i'm really 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 thankful the type of work that i do is like um 
like I do sexual assault, dating violence, stalking, sexual harassment, prevention, education. So a lot of the stuff that I do is very much in the background. I supervise a team of peer educators that do a lot of the educating on behalf of us work for us. So um, I do have like a, a 40 hour week office gig, but I'm so lucky that it's so flexible because like we, I took off a ton of time to go on our Libra tour in March, um, right before uh, COVID hit, um, or right when COVID hit, I should say. And um like I had already taken off work uh we had planned like or started planning another summer tour at that time that never could happen right um and everyone at uh that I work for um is just like yeah please like we'll come to a show if you are in the area I was like great awesome cool um but otherwise like we're pretty lucky that our schedules are really um uh complimentary that we can really work uh, around our schedules and that um, for the most part even when we have gigs that I feel like the it's not like we live in Chicago where folks are hitting the stage at 1 a.m. and the bar closes at 3 you know right. like um, thankfully I think we all we all have kind of approach shows and gigs in a way where okay you all have to probably wake up in the morning right and so uh, I think we're just really really grateful. Um, uh, for, for that being the case. So yeah, really well, actually. Excellent. Um, Ben, do you want to add anything to that? Um, yeah, I would say it it hasn't been a huge struggle in terms of balance for most of us, uh, because, you know, I also have uh, a very flexible job where, you know, I do work a full-time job, but, um, I am able to take time off and we, don't play out of Madison a ton. You know, that's a a huge benefit too of living in a place like Madison is we Mm -hmm. can play a lot of shows and they're right down the street, you know, and especially like um, we all live pretty close in inside the city. And so it it doesn't take a lot out of our night or our week, even if even to play like a a Wednesday night show um, versus if we were driving. And that was actually much more of a struggle when Kat and I were gigging and we um, weren't in Madison yet. I was living in Janesville. Kat was living in Janesville for a while and then uh, lived in Chicago for a stint. And so we were doing a lot of driving and that's much more difficult, um, obviously. Uh, so now we feel we feel really, really lucky because we have a great gig being in Madison, which is a city with a lot of opportunity. Um, and, you know, we have one practice a week. And then on top of that, you know, there's all of the other things it takes to be a band and to grow your platform, <laughs> which mm-hmm. we found is takes even more time than practice doing all the social media stuff sending emails booking gigs there's a lot of administrative stuff that goes behind the scenes um and we are able to to sort of do that throughout our weeks as well and it's nice that there's three of us that are all sort of full-time engaged in the band because we can also sort of delegate some of those things but excellent well thank you so much alex and ben and of course, Kat, for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It was a great conversation. I'm so glad I got to meet you three and look forward to talking with you guys again in the future. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, that was another fantastic interview with Kat and the Hurricane. Thank you so much, Kat, Alex, and Ben for being on the show. And thank you all out there for listening. If you're interested, there is a donation button on the website. Donations help with getting the name out there and having great guests just like Cat and the Hurricane. Or go to buymeacoffee.com slash Wisconsin Music Podcast. I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast. And to 
Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. You can contact ZTF Studio at www.ztfstudio.com or ztfstudio at gmail.com. And here's Cat and the Hurricane playing us out. Sorry That I'm Like This is one of my favorite songs that we've put out there. Um, we released it in uh, last November, um, but it's a song that we've been playing live for a little while. It was one of the first songs that Cat and I co-wrote um, a lot of it together. Um, and we both sing on it. We each have verses that we sing, um, and it's a kind of a fun song where we're both telling these stories about um, first dates and awkward dates and sort of a thing that um, I think that a lot of our friends can relate to, uh, which is just like, you know, apologizing. Sorry that I'm like this, you know, when you're like awkward and first meeting someone. Um, and we at the time that we wrote it, we're both having some of those experiences um, in our dating lives. And so we're like, you know, here's this song. And it was one of our first songs, too, that we had that really felt like a song we can jump up and down to at our live shows. Um, a lot of the songs on Libra are, you know, very emotional, a lot of ballads. And so we're like, we need a song that we can dance to. And so that's what uh, Sorry That I'm Like This became. It's a just really fun, catchy song intentionally. And um, it's really, really fun to play at shows. So yeah, that's a song that we are really proud of. <laughs>